ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome to the Nosebleeds Podcast, everyone. Uh, Today's Saturday, January 16th. I'm Michael Calamari here with Andrew Galata. And for a while, Andrew, there was not much news uh, regarding free agency in baseball. We were looking for stuff to talk about on past shows, and there weren't any big deals come in. But yesterday, we had two major New York deals, and we should get right into talking about them. The first one being DJ LeMahieu re-signing with the Yankees that on a six-year, $90 million deal. He turns 33 in July. The contract takes him up until the age of 38. So big deal for DJ LeMahieu and the Yankees get back their star second baseman. So let's just start with that deal. There's another New York deal. Corey Kluber also signing one-year $11 million deal. But I want to get your reaction on the DJ news. What are your thoughts? I mean, the Yankees got their guy, and they got him on a really, I think, a team-friendly contract. I know $90 million is a lot of money, but over six years, and like the AAV isn't high, $15 million for DJ LeMahieu, who's hit over 225 or 235, excuse me, uh, forever or 335 for the last few years. And I feel like he's just such a great player. Like, I mean, in 2019, the last full season, he had over 100 RBIs. He's the Yankees. Basically, he's the guy that gets him in with runners in scoring position. And with that team, you always talk about the big boppers with Judge and Stan. But LeMahieu's the guy that keeps the line moving. He's the guy that's getting the big hits. And that's just so important here uh, for the Yankees. And they get him on a really nice deal. Like, I mean, if I'm a Yankee fan right now, I mean, you got to give it to Brian Cashman again because this is an amazing deal to get a guy that's all-star caliber player, batting title uh, caliber player, and you only got him for $15 million a year. Now, I know at the end of that contract, it's, I mean, he's going to be like 37, 38, so you may not get the same production, but especially for the next two to three years when the Yankees championship window is wide open, this is a great deal for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I really like this deal. Initially, I thought, you know what? I think LeMahieu deserved more money than the $90 million. I thought he was someone that could, could get over 100 But when you spread it out over six years, I mean, the Yankees are really paying for four prime years of DJ LeMahieu, maybe five at his most. But at the end of his deal, he's going to be 37, 38, those final two years. So it's going to be good for DJ LeMahieu to be earning that kind of money when he might not be the player he once was. But then again, I look at DJ LeMayu as a player that could play well into his late 30s. I mean, he's not a guy who relies on major power and um, uh, speed or anything. He's just a base hitter. And he's flexible defensively. If he can't play second base, he can move to position like first base. I mean, I think I have a guy like Howie Kendrick, who aged greatly, very similar player to DJ LeMayu, a contact hitter, not the best defender, but top of the lineup kind of guy who can get on base and get hits. And I see how he progressed. I think DJ LeMay can have a very similar career. He's probably a better player than Howie Kendrick ever was. But, <laughs> I mean, I, they're similar type of players. And I think this is a good deal for the Yankees because he could be producing even at 36, 37. And DJ LeMay would get some insurance. And there's no doubt that he's probably the best leadoff hitter in baseball. I think everyone can agree on that. So once you get that security, it's a great deal for the Yankees because now you can move on and work on other things. Yeah, and also gives them flexibility just for this year. I mean, because they want to stay within that luxury tax and you're only paying $15 million for, I mean, really the star player that you wanted to go out and get at the, the beginning of the offseason. And he's the guy that's 
really going to help you towards a championship when you look at free agent acquisitions for this year. And I mean, you're right. He, he, he's a guy that he's going to hit. And usually you look at these hitters that hit for high averages. I mean, yeah, their averages will dip, but will it be enough to, I mean, like get him into like this retirement mode at 37? Probably not. He'll probably still be a, a, a serviceable player, probably be a role player, probably won't hit 365, but he'll be a good player. And Again, I, I feel like for, for the Yankees, I, I think that's a really nice deal. And again, it just shows you that I guess maybe the hardball tactics worked because I mean, no one outbid the Yankees, and he was, and they were able to get a great deal for Lemayhew. And again, I mean, this contract's going to f- affect all of baseball, in my opinion. Now you're going to have George Springer. You think he's going to get 175 million after Lemayhew only got 90? I would say right now Lemayhew's the better player. So again, I, I'd be very surprised if. I mean, a lot of free agents, you talk about Springer, I think is the big one. If he's going to get this big contract after LeMahieu only gets 90 million. I mean, Josh Donaldson last year, who was at the same age of LeMahieu, same caliber of player, I would say LeMahieu's better, but not that much better. And he got over 120 million over four years. So again, I, I feel like right now, that's a great deal for the Yankees, team-friendly deal. LeMahieu gets his security late, but if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm, I'm ecstatic right now because now you have the flexibility to go get guys. They got Corey Kluber, which, which we'll talk about. But again, I feel like right now, that's a great move for the Yankees. Yeah, definitely a great move. And you bring up the point about Springer and the kind of money he was looking for. Now the market shifted. Same thing for a guy like Bauer. Exactly. Uh, a lot has to do with the um, not as much revenue being brought in by these MLB teams due to the pandemic. So this might just show the trend of the market, maybe more years, less money for some of these guys uh, like Springer and Bauer. It's going to be interesting to see kind of deals they want to work out. Rio Muto, another one of those guys, he reportedly got offered five years, a hundred million by the Phillies, but he was originally looking for upwards of 200 million last year. So it's kind of crazy to see that the market's going to be a lot different. And that might be a lot of the reasons why it's slow moving. Players are looking for more money and teams are not willing to give out that money. Nevertheless, great move for the Yankees to bring back a guy like DJ LeMahieu. There's one stat that I want to bring up, Andrew. Since his first year, not counting that year, in 2011 with the Cubs, he has never hit under 267. That was his lowest batting average. And only a couple years, two, I think, three years where he hit under 300. So this guy has been hitting, and I think he's going to hit for the Yankees well into his late 30s. So great move for them. And I I don't think anyone anyone was expecting him to leave. Um, I think they all thought that he wanted to be in New York. Cashman wanted to bring him back to New York, but it's just happy. And it's a sign of relief to bring a guy like that back. And you mentioned Corey Kluber. So we're going to get into that. Now the Yankees signed a two time uh, Cy Young winner to a one year, $11 million deal. He's only had eight starts in the past two years. So there's a lot of risk to this type of deal, but it's only one year and the Yankees potentially have their number two starter locked up in that rotation. Andrew, what are your thoughts? See, see, this one with the Yankees, I mean, I'm not as big on this one as I was on the DJ, because I think the DJ was a great deal. You got a great professional hitter, probably the best one in the game, and you get him for only $90 million over six years. This Kluber one, I feel like with the Yankees and their rotation, they're going to lose, it seems like they're going to lose Tanaka, they're going to lose Jay Happ, and they're also going to lose um, Paxton. And those are three, three guys that were going out, and they were taking innings for the Yankees, and they were pitching a lot, and especially Tanaka, great pitcher, and especially in the postseason – Kluber, he's another guy, you add him to the guys like Debbie Garcia and some other guys, to me, they're not 100% reliable. And I know Kluber, like if, if you get Kluber at that pre-injury level, he's going to be really good. Like you, you look at these 
look at these stats. I mean, he's able to put 18 wins or more three out of the last or three of the last five years, because obviously you got to take out the two years that he was hurt. But before that 2016, 17 and 18, he had 18 wins or more always an ERA sub three of three, five. So he's always going to be there. He throws a ton of innings before he's gotten hurt. So, I mean, if you're getting that pre-injury pitcher, I mean, this is a huge bargain for the Yankees. I don't know if you get that. It's just another question mark in that rotation, which again, I feel like has a lot of question marks beyond Garrett Cole. I, I would like to see them get another pitcher. I think that's the big thing. I mean, maybe now they do because again, you don't have a lot of top money tied up to Kluber or uh, LeMahieu for AAV for this year. So they can probably go out and get another pitcher. But I think right now that's what you have to do. I mean, a guy that can just solidify and take innings because right now after Cole and I'm just, I'm a little questionable there if this team's going to go win a world series. And again, they are at such a high bar where it's really world series or bust for them. And I feel like you're going to need some more pitching depth if you're going to go out and do that. Yeah, I see that point. I think I, I view it a little differently. I mean, I remember game two and when um, Jay Happ replaced Debbie Garcia after one inning. <laughs> And that's all I can think about when I uh, think about the playoffs last year. And I think a lot of that was because there was not a lot of faith in the second starting pitcher. I mean, Tanaka was really great. I always thought that he was the guy that could have got the ball there. And um, Paxton's injuries have always been a problem for him. And I understand Kluber has the same injuries concern, but at Kluber's best, he's a guy you put in that game too. And you're like, you know what? He's going to get the ball and get a six innings at the very least. Yeah. And I think the Yankees have been searching for that for a while. I mean, even in the CC Sabathia days when he was the Yankees ace, they always searched for a second starting pitcher. They, that was never really something they had locked up. I think the Yankees have had aces, but they've never had a very deep pitching staff. So when I, when I think about it, I'm thinking at the best case scenario, you get Garrett Cole as a no doubt ace. I think he's going to come in and be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think everyone's agreeing with that. But if Corey Kluber can um, find something that he had in the past, like 2018 when he had a sub-3 ERA and he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, excuse me, I think that this is a great deal for the Yankees because you're going to have two top-tier pitchers. And even if Kluber isn't that 2018 Kluber he was, you're, you can still put him in as a number-two starter. I think even if he has a, uh, over three RA and isn't the pitcher he was. It's not bad, though. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, I think a lot of teams would take that as their second starting pitcher. So I see it like that. I think the injuries are a concern. I get that, that risk. But if he stays healthy, I like this move for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy, it's a good move. I'm just – that's what I'm worried about. And, you know, a team that I think is a World Series caliber team, I mean, th those are the things you have to account for. And – you know, I, I think Tanaka was a big part of that rotation and we'll see, maybe he does end up coming back. I'm not hundred percent sure. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he goes back to Japan. It seems like he wants to go to New York or Japan. It's kind of, you know, a weird situation with him, but I, I feel like if you lose, he's just a veteran pitcher. And I guess Kluber is too, but I, I felt like Tanaka was a lot more reliable and he didn't get hurt a lot. Kluber. I mean, before the injuries, he didn't get hurt at all. I mean, he was putting up 30, sta uh, 30 starts basically consistently. I mean, so that was an issue. And then the last two years, he's only had eight starts. And that's something for the Yankees. Like if, let's say he does get hurt and you can't have him on a postseason run or maybe the injuries, it's just took a toll on him. And now, you know, he's going to be 35. And again, now he's getting to that age where you don't know where he's going to be. And he's going to have to transition into that veteran type pitcher. And we saw it with like CC or a guy like Bartolo Colon. It took him some time to transition into becoming like that more pitch to contact type pitcher. 
And I feel like that could be an issue for him. But look, it's one year, 11 million. I mean, because if he's bad, it doesn't really matter. It's a one year contract. So it's really low risk, high reward. I just feel like for this Yankees team, I would like to see them add another starter to really solidify what they're doing. Now, maybe the young guys come up and they and they're really good and you don't really need another starter because those guys are pitching five, six innings. You have Kluber pitching well. But I mean, right now you have a lot of unreliable pitchers. And for a team that's going to the World Series or trying to go to the World Series, that's something that I'd be a little worried about. Yeah, I think there is cause to be worried. I mean, outside of Kluber and uh, Cole, uh, there's a lot of question marks and not like Kluber. He is a question mark, but there's guys that haven't proven like Kluber has. I mean, Montgomery, Herman, Debbie Garcia, Jonathan Lewisica. I mean, these are all guys who have big time question marks on whether they are really big league uh, starting pitchers. So I think that calls for major concern because if Kluber doesn't come to what we think he could be as a top tier pitcher, then the Yankees are searching for some, some starters to get you five innings maybe. And I think that is cause for concern. And I think what the Yankees should do is go out and get a guy like maybe Jake Odorizzi, a starting pitcher that could be a safer option. And you'll need to worry about if he's going to stay healthy and you're going to know that he's going to go out and get five, six innings, even if it's at a, 3.5, maybe high three ERA. I think that'd be really great for the Yankees to have as another pitcher in addition to Kluber and Cole at the top of that rotation. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think Odorizzi's a a great pitcher. He's going to be an innings eater. And and that's what kind of the Yankees need. And he's going to give you a pretty solid ERA. I mean, it won't be that two-starter level, but it would be a middle of the rotation guy. And I I feel like the Yankees are going to need someone like that. And I mean, we don't talk, we haven't talked about their bullpen yet. It's it's, going to be really good. So you don't need these like eight inning dogs like every single time out because you already have one with Cole. So you're not going to need guys that um, are going eight innings. You just need guys to be able to get you to the sixth inning, get you to the seventh inning. And I, I feel like guys like Odorizzi, Kluber, if he's healthy, I think could do that. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like right now with the Yankees, if, if they're going to make the world series, they're going to need more than two stars to do it. I mean, that, that's just the case. I mean, you look at all the world series winners. I mean, you go back to the Dodgers, they had a great rotation. The nationals, they had three stars with, Scherzer, Strasburg, um, you know, what they're putting out there um, as well, Patrick Corbin. So I, I feel like even before them, the Red Sox, they had Sale, Price, all those guys. I feel like right now this Yankees team, now maybe Kluber comes back healthy and he's like, he's that all-star level pitcher. And then the Yankees got Cole and Kluber and you have Kluber really cheap. But I would like to see a guy like Odorizzi. I, I think that's a really good player that the Yankees can go out and get. I think Tanaka, I mean, if he's willing maybe to take a little of a discount to stay with the Yankees, I feel like he's another good guy. He's going to get you those innings and he has a lot of postseason experience. So that's just kind of what I'm feeling with the Yankees rotation. Yeah, I definitely uh, see that. I, I Another thing that I, uh, I thought about with this move made by Cashman to bring in Kluber is that it's really a move to play um, into September and October because we don't know what Kluber could be like in the first few months, but maybe he develops into someone that's a really good pitcher come postseason time. And you also got to think about if you're the Yankees, you could be seeing Severino come June, July, August in those months to make a return. We don't know what kind of pitcher Severino would be, if that would be a bullpen role for him until he regains um, his health and strength. But if you got if you got a, a Cole, Kluber, and Severino at the top of your rotation, and they're all at their peak performance come the playoff months, I think that is a very strong rotation. There's a lot of yeah. question marks if Severino comes back and he's healthy, if Kluber is the pitcher he was. But I think Cashman is making a play here. If you got all your guys at your best, you've got a good rotation come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, if everything clicks, they'll be fine. And 
to me with Severino, you got to treat him kind of like what the Mets are doing with Syndergaard. But yeah, they're supposed to come back mid-season. But like if I'm the Mets, I don't count on Noah Syndergaard coming out and throwing 100 being this, you know, sub three ERA pitcher. I don't think you could. Same with Severino. You don't really know where they're going to be um, post-injury. And again, I feel like the question marks are there, but if they all hit, the Yankees obviously will be fine. I I just feel like for a World Series team, you want as least question marks as possible. And when this rotation is riddled with with question marks, I I think that's something to worry about. But I mean, you look at the Yankees, they're going to be in the playoffs. And I think that's a good point with Kluber. Like if he basically gets better each month and then when you come postseason time, he's ready to play. That's definitely something to think about. And maybe the Yankees will do that because I think we could all say the Yankees will make the playoffs. It's just a matter of, can they take that next step to be a World Series team? And again, if you can get Kluber to that all-star level by October, that would obviously be a huge home run for them. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's good. It's, we're going to have to see what happens with that rotation. Maybe hopefully they make another move to bring in a starter. But at their best, they're definitely going to be a bullpen and a starting rotation that's going to be feared by a lot of teams. Now, if we also can go over to the other team in New York, in Queens, uh, the Mets, they've made some moves this offseason. We've got two powerhouses really in New York, and their big moves uh, were bringing in Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, two big players from the um, Cleveland Indians. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, pan out with those two stars. And we had yesterday Ken Rosenthal. He initially reported that the Mets and Brad Hand were really close to a deal there in the final stages of that agreement. He later took that back and tweeted that the two are just talking. They haven't come close to a deal yet. But if they bring in a guy like Brad Hand, in addition to those two pickups, uh, Lindor and Carrasco, the Mets really would be a powerhouse in the NL East. And Andrew, how are you viewing the Mets heading into the season? Oh, it's crazy calling them a power <laughs> powerhouse, just like from old Mets regimes. Like, I, like it's such a breath of fresh air to call them a power a powerhouse. I think they're going to be definitely in that NL East, definitely competing with the Braves. And that's really first year with Steve Cohen is all you can ask for. I, I do think that they'll be a playoff team, whether it may be in the wild card or in the division. I mean, I think the big test for the Mets is what they can do against the Braves. Because I feel like the Mets are always that team. They always struggle against the Braves because usually the Mets are not fundamentally sound. The Braves are like the the poster child for being fundamentally sound, you know, getting all the young players. And, you know, they're a great team and a really well-run organization. And the Mets before this were not. And they always got beat badly by the Braves, especially when the Braves were good. And now we'll see if that changes. And I think it will start this year and it will start to change over. I mean, Lindor is such a good player on both sides of the ball. Great hitter, great fielder. Carrasco is a nice veteran, uh, reliable pitcher. I, I think the Yankees could probably use someone like him, to be quite honest with you. Um, we were just talking about how the Yankees need reliability. The Mets do too, and I think that was a good move. Yeah, at hand as well, that already adds to the Trevor May signing that they had earlier in the offseason. And, I mean, this roster is starting to round out. Now, I, I think there are holes. I think the center field's a hold, so we'll see if they go after a guy like George Springer or uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. If you want kind of a lower tier guy, but there are holes in this roster. I don't think they're a world series team yet, but I do think that they'll definitely compete for a playoff spot and also that division. Yeah. I wouldn't call them world series yet. Um, Maybe not even contenders. I think we've been here before hyping up the Mets on, on uh, this show. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Guys have come on here and they've made claims that the Mets were the favorites in that division. That hasn't happened. They haven't made the playoffs, but I still think that as you said, competing with the Braves is literally, is literally the goal for the Mets. I think if you're, if you're in 
contention with them for that division, even if, if you're a couple of games back, I think that would be a success in itself because the division's getting better. I mean, the Nationals had a down year last year, but they're still the Nationals and the Marlins are getting better. So that's going to be a, a, a hard, uh, tough division. And the Mets can be with the Braves at the top of that division. That's going to say a lot. Uh, like you said, I think the, the Mets beefing up their bullpen and then the Carrasco and Lindor moves are big. I mean, they were all right in the bullpen, 18th ranked in ERA last year. Edwin Diaz was really good, but outside of him, there weren't as many guys shining. And I think if you bring in a guy like Brad Hand, that would really be a, a big move to round out that team in addition to the moves you've already made. So I think the Mets are doing a lot this offseason. They've, they've probably been the biggest spender so far. And I think that's um, that shows a lot to the new direction they're heading in. So there's a lot to be excited here if you're a Mets fan. No, for sure. And I, I feel like with that bullpen, I mean, even Edwin Diaz, I don't think you can trust him yet. He's known for blowing saves. Like we all know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, he's got dirty stuff and I think eventually it will work out because he's just straight filth. Like, I mean, you look at him, he's got this high uh, strikeout rate and all that stuff. Just, it seems like when in the ninth inning, he can get it done. I don't know why, but I feel like you add a hand in there. You, you add Trevor May, who's another guy, high strikeout guy. And especially hand, he's a lefty, I think is so important. The Mets don't have any lefties. Like he'd be the only lefty. So that'd be really important to get him in there. Right now it's only Jerry Blevins. So who's old and definitely you don't want him as your only lefty. You you want Brad Hand to be in there. And he, he's a guy that's, you know, he, he's been the all-star. He's, he's a really solid relief pitcher. And with relief pitchers, we always talk about volatility. And, you know, you talk about uh, one year they're good, one year they're bad. Hand's been consistently good. So getting a guy like that would be really big in my mind and you, you start to round out the roster and, and I feel like maybe you don't get a big fish like Springer and you add the bullpen pieces so you have that depth when you're when you're facing the Braves in September and let's say you are competitive with them even if you're a few games behind being competitive with them would be just such you know be so big for, the, for this franchise and let's say they got a wild card spot and being in the playoffs year one with Steve Cohen I, I think would be a big step forward I don't think this team needs to win the World Series and Going in as a Mets fan, I don't have World Series expectations, which, again, I, I, it's almost like a breath of, breath of fresh air because you can enjoy a good team and a team that has playoff expectations, but I don't think they're going to make the World Series, and maybe they'll surprise me, and they do, but then that's a surprise, and that's great. But you get to see some star players, and they're building it year by year, which is something that I think is really big. Yeah, they're building it year by year for sure, and I think um, if you would take us back a few weeks, we'd be – uh, the Mets fans would be saying Springer or Bauer. Those are the two yeah. big guys. And I think now you can ease up a little bit and say, we got Lindor, we got Carrasco. We're in talks with hand. Maybe we bring him in too. And if Springer goes to the Blue Jays, which a team he's been talking to, um, or Bauer goes out to the West Coast, which has been rumored, um, then you're not as uh, worried that you didn't land one of the big stars because you traded for Lindor, who's a, one of the top tier players in the MLB, maybe the best shortstop in MLB. So I think there's a lot less pressure this year if you're the Mets and the organization. I mean, you can miss out on Bauer and Springer and then come back in the next few years and land another big star. And I think if this Mets team was the roster right now, even without hand, I still think they're competing for something. I think they got a lot better since last year. I mean, they, they had a top batting average in the MLB. I mean, they're a really good team. So I just think the pieces weren't always aligned and some games they had it, other games they didn't. And in a 60 game season, it's really hard to tell. So I think this roster right now could still compete for a wild card. And I think that's all you can ask for if you're a Met fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. And then, you know, with this pitching, if you get into a wild card game, you're throwing out Jacob DeGrom, which is like 
I mean, you'll take that. I mean, like you, you're mm-hmm. comfortable with Jacob DeGrom having with your season on the line, having him throw out a big game. And I don't think a lot of teams could say that. Um, we'll see who they like. We don't know. I mean, anything could happen in an MLB season. That's why I love baseball so much. Like, I mean, you could see one team like the Marlins last year come out of nowhere. Like that yeah. always happens in baseball. And I mean, we'll see what happens, but they're starting to build a nice foundation, the Mets. And I feel like that's how you become a sustained winner. I mean, the goal is not to be good for one year and then be bad for 10, like it was with the Wilpons. That's kind of what it was. The Mets were good every 10 years. And then besides that, they were just dead, basically. Now let's be a sustained winner. Let's build a nice just franchise. I mean, everyone's been talking about how they want to be the Dodgers of the East Coast. I mean, the Dodgers didn't do that overnight. It took them a few years to get really good. And that's what I think the Mets are doing. So I think this year, if you get into the playoffs, that's to me a home run. Get the wild card game. You're definitely competing there. I think you should compete for the division. Now, maybe if all the the pieces fit right, I think they could win the division and you could make a run. But I mean, to me, that's not 100% there. I I think they'll be firmly in a wild card spot or wild card contention, probably around 85 to 90 wins. And hey, that's a huge step forward for the Mets. Yeah, you'll definitely take that. And it's going to be really exciting for both these New York teams. I mean, baseball exactly. in New York is bigger than I think it's been in a while. So I think that's really um, that's going to be really fun for everyone who's here in New York to watch. But for this episode of Nosebleed, that will be it. We're going to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Um, we had a great time, me and Andrew, on this show. And uh, for all the listeners, have a great weekend. And uh, for my partner, Andrew Galata, I'm Michael Calamari, and we'll uh, see you next time.